Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Remain standing as we read Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. Then verse 8 through 12, I like to remain standing out of respect for the reading of God's word. And it says this, I'm reading out the New King James Version. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Everybody say wise men. And they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We, for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the priests, the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, but you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 8, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Somebody say, yeah, right. Herod was wanting to kill the young baby. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, a star, or the star, which they had seen in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with his mother Mary and fell down and worshiped him. Everybody say fell down. And when they had opened up their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Everybody say amen. You may have your seats. Today, I want to journey with you through this story. It's one of my favorite stories. We generally only hear these verses when it's around Christmas time. We hear about the kings. There actually were wise men slash kings, and there were also shepherds. So there were two groups of people who would not simultaneously. Normally, when you see the nativity scene up in the front of a church or or on a screen, you would see both the wise men and the shepherds together, but the Bible doesn't say. They, it actually states that they came at different times, but you see the nativity scene uh, you know, all together with all of them visiting. Um, this whole month, the Lord put it on my heart um, to talk about the scene and what these wise men went through in order to get to Jesus, because oftentimes we put much emphasis on the child being born, which as, as a church, I think we all know that we put a lot of focus on Jesus. But I want to go through a few points 
that I believe is applicable to our personal lives as it relates to our worship. Amen? Are you guys ready? So I want to entitle a message this morning called Pursuing Presence. Come on, everybody say Pursuing Presence. Can you stay with me? Pursuing Presence. Come on, say it one more time. Pursuing Presence. I'm not talking about the kind of presence we see under the tree, although those are good. I love presence. How many like gifts in this place? I'm not talking about that, that kind of presence. I want to talk about the kind of presence that we don't see a whole lot of churches going after this morning. I'm talking about the presence of the Lord, S-E-N-C-E. I want to talk about, first and foremost, how to pursue the gift. Come on, everybody say the gift. I'm talking about a capital G, not a little g. I want to talk about the fact that these, these wise men, why in the world would God speak to somebody so far away? Because if you read history and you read the scriptures, the east was far away from Bethlehem. This, this wasn't like Altamont Mall far. This was historians and some theologians even say this could have possibly been over 400 miles away. They had no GPS. They may have been on camelback. They may have been on foot. But can you imagine walking that far? If it were me and the Lord spoke, I mean, it would really have to be the Lord coming out of the clouds to say, hey, look, my son is going to be sent into the earth for me to get up and walk two to three weeks. Possibly if they were on camelback, it would have taken them two or three weeks. If they were on foot, it could have taken even longer. So that means there had to be some kind of presence drivenness in them. There had to be some kind of holy hunger and desire to pursue the Lord for them to walk that far to see Jesus. Come on, we have a hard time getting some people to church on Sunday morning when they're only a 15 minutes drive. I'm talking about three to four weeks of a pursuit of a gift, but they weren't pursuing just any gift. They were pursuing something that had eternal value and eternal impact in their lives. I want to read this verse with you. Everybody stay with me. Look at somebody and say, stay with them. It says in verse 1 through 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east, everybody say the east, came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. I recently, well, it wasn't too long ago, maybe it was a few months back, there was someone who was here at the church and they said, pastor, you know, I may not be able to come every Sunday um, because I recently just moved houses. And I said, well, how far did you move? Well, it's about five minutes um, further. And I had to put on my pastoral face and I smiled. I'm only bold up here, believe it or not. I'm generally a pretty, if anybody knows me, I'm generally a pretty shy person. I mean, I literally had to, I Holy Ghost bit my lip. I was like five minutes away. Well, I, you know, it's a little bit further of travel. So I, you know, I lovingly, I didn't lie, but I've kind of played it off. I'm like, well, you know, I, I completely understand. I was, that was brought up to me when I was in study on, on Friday, or it may have been early this morning. I thought to myself, these wise men, I mean, we have a hard enough time, you know, getting to church when we're 20 minutes away. As I said, th th there had to be this deep, not just this not just this 
I want to go see Jesus. There had to be this deep desire, this deep pursuit in their own heart that they had to get to the king. You know what I believe is returning to the church today? Not just this churchianity that we're seeing, but this real, true, deep desire, this deep hunger to pursue the Lord like never before. This, this, this thirst, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Do you know what I'm tired of seeing? I'm tired of, uh, of seeing us go through the church motions and not getting filled and not seeing true change, not seeing true impact. You know what I believe is going to happen? A true hunger and desire that's going to be released by the Holy Spirit in the way of our hearts so that we will pursue him like never before. And you know what I believe? If I believe if we were to pursue Jesus pursue the Holy Spirit, pursue God the Father like never before, he will release revival in the earth like we have never seen. He will release revival not just in churches, but he'll release revival in your home. He'll release revival in the school systems, in the university, but there has to be a hunger and a desire to pursue. Think about it. God revealed the fact that he would be born to the Magi. However, he also knew that they would have to travel 400 miles because God refuses to be found out of convenience. Preach it, preacher. God refuses. You know, we oftentimes just come in here and we will, and no, no offense to anybody, we all worship in our own way. But we oftentimes get discouraged when God doesn't give us a word when we come to church or the message doesn't line up with where we're at in our life. If we really strip all that stuff away, you know what I believe is we oftentimes don't get touched by the Lord because we're coming to get a convenience, a fix out of convenience. And if he doesn't speak to us, we don't want to show up the next Sunday. But you know what? God, the Bible says that God searches the heart. You know what I believe? I believe he intentionally spoke to these wise men being that far away. He could have spoke to somebody right down the street. He could have spoke to somebody who was in the next stable and said, hey, he's going to be born. But I believe that God went, way, God went way out of his way and said, hey, look, I want to see how hungry you are for me. I want to see if you're going to keep coming back to church. I want to see if you're going to really hunger and thirst for me so that you pursue me and you put away, you put away your phone for a moment. Come on, you put away your schedule just for a moment. You put away your checklist. And it's those people who hunger like that, those people who pursue like that, those are the ones who get an experience with God that the person next to you may not get. Come on. God refuses to be found out of convenience. He refuses to be found out of just a cold worship song. God refuses. It's got to be more than a lip service. It's got to be something from the heart where we worship him wholeheartedly out of our brokenness, out of our woundedness. He won't be found out of convenience. Sometimes we have to travel. Sometimes we have to press. Sometimes we have to pursue. And for them, it took days. For them, it took weeks. But for you, it might take months. It might take years. But I will not stop fighting through the elements until I find him, until I see him. This addiction won't keep me back from pursuing him. Come on, that lost loved one won't keep me from pursuing him. Come on, this difficulty that surrounds my life will not keep me from pursuing him through the mountains, through the valley, through the darkest hour of my life. I will pursue him. 
Look at somebody and say, pursue him. Can I be completely transparent? I don't like Christmas because of what I can give. Come on, can I be honest this morning? Come on, I mean, how many, can I make you laugh just for a moment? You guys are looking all serious. I really, I like gifts. I like being given gifts. And you know why I believe that these magi, the Bible calls them, wise men, some historians and some theologians say they were astrologers. They read the stars, which that's a whole other topic. But I believe that God afforded them the opportunity, not because of what they can get. The Bible doesn't say they were going to get a gift. They were going to bring a gift. And for me, Christmas, even though I do get gifts, that's not what I look most forward to. Come on, can I tell you about the fleshly part of me? Oh, you're not like that? How many like getting gifts in here? Come on, be real in the house of the Lord. And most people only pursue Jesus, not because of what they can give. Do you know the church was created? Yes, I know that there are people in this room right now with needs, with de- not just needs, but desires, with aspirations, with, with vision for their life. They, 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 they desire God to do something, and that is a holy desire. What the, where the problem lies is when we come to him, not because of what we can give. When Matt used to be here with us, I remember sitting in the back room and talking with him, and I've been talking to the team about this, that I don't want worship lyrics that talk up, only talk about what he can give us, although that can be good. It can't be driven by that. It's about what we can give to him. So when we come in here, we don't come in here just expecting him to do something. He'll do that by default. If we give God what he wants, he will give us what, what we want. If we give him the fruit of our lips, if we give him the fruit of our worship, if we give him our pursuits, our desires, our passions, God will in turn do something for us. Most people come to him, if you think about it, for salvation. Nothing wrong with that. Most people come, for him, come to him because they want peace, and there's nothing wrong with wanting peace. People come to him because they want fulfillment. They want joy. They want a job. Come on. Last resort. They come to him because he's a last resort in their broken marriage. Come on. They, they, need, they come to him because they want a healing in their body. But for the wise men, it was more than about just getting something from him. That was going to come as default, but it was about what they could give him. Un, unadulterated worship. Come on, you can give a hand clap for that. I want to talk about the environment that they pursued him in. Now this for me hits home personally. It's special to me because early on since a little boy, I've gone through personal sufferings that I knew I had to go through. As a little boy, I don't want to make this about me, but I want to give you my personal experience. I knew there was a calling on my life since a little boy. My mom said when you were born, she would I don't want to tell you some of that. Mothers just, they look at you with rosy colored glasses, don't they? She said, I knew you had a calling and I knew you were going to do something for the Lord. Right when you were born, I could just tell. And, but I knew early on that I would go through a level of suffering. 
most people just want to be expedited through difficulty and then be used of the Lord. But here's the fact of the matter. There are some things you have to go through. There are some things you got to go through if you're going to be developed into the man, the woman, the boy, and the girl that God calls you to. Listen, he's not going to trust, trust you with a church until you ha- you're faithful with 20 members. Come on. He's not going to bless you with a business if you're not even nice to your spouse. Preach it, young preacher. God's not going to bless you with something that he knows you're not going to be faithful over. But one of the things that I've seen in the Magi is not the fact that they just pursued his presence, but it's the time that they pursued him. The times when it counts the most. I want to talk about the evening pursuit that they went through. Weeping may endure for a night, Kelly, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You you know, as I read this, it says in verse 8, verse 9, you can put it up on the screen. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. Everybody say they departed. And behold, the star say the star, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. You know, I started thinking about this this morning, and I've never heard this preached. We talk about how they went through the hillside and they got to Jesus. Now, if this is true, what I'm about to say, it took them a whole lot longer to get to Jesus. They had to pursue him in the evening. Stars don't shine during the day. The most important times in your life when pursuing Jesus is not what you do in the light, Kelly. It's not what you do when things are going good. It's what you do and how you pursue him when you can't feel his presence. It's what you do when people don't show up to the church. It's what you do when it doesn't seem to be working. Everything that you've done, nothing is working. It's what you do in those moments when God's principles don't seem to be working. It's when I praise him and I'm not feeling his presence, but I still show up. It's when I still pray even though I can't sense him. It's when he doesn't look like he's going to move in my life and I'm still seeking him and I'm still pursuing him. It's what you do in the evening hours that counts the most. I went to the mountains the other day. I don't travel much, but I took my wife. She didn't even know I was going to talk about this. I never tell her what I'm going to preach normally. It's a little bit blurry of a picture. But this is my mother-in-law. It's her house. It's her cabin, really. I love cabins. After I'm done ministering and being around people, I love people. Don't get me wrong. Look at somebody and say, he does love people. So listen what I'm about to say. There's nothing more than I love besides being around you all and worshiping you all, but I shift gears right after that. I don't want to talk to nobody. I want to be up in the mountains. I love mountains. I love water. I love boating. I love outdoorsy fishing. That's just me. Well, I was sitting on the front porch and I was meditating and I was talking to my mother-in-law. She said, you would never know it, but this view right here, this whole side of the mountain lights up like a Christmas tree at night. I said, really? Dawn began to fall. 
in all the lights on the side of this mountain. I wish I had a picture of it, but I wanted to show you this mountain because what this picture doesn't reveal is that there are hundreds. I'm not talking about 20 houses. Hundreds of mountains. This mountain is massive, by the way. It's miles long. You can't really tell. There's hundreds of lights on those mountainsides. But those houses didn't get revealed until it dawned. What am I trying to say is that when you stick out, when you stick it out in your relationship with God, when you pursue the dawn, pursue him even in the dawn of your life, even in darkness, the light will eventually show up in your life. The Lord not only made it the road finding him difficult to the Magi. It wasn't just 400. That's, that's trouble enough. Hillsides, camels, thieves, robbers, depending on which way they took. It wasn't like I-4. We're talking about tough terrain. Not only did he make it long, but he made it tough. And he made it to where he could only be traced by night. He only made it to where you can only pursue me at night. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. Let me make it, let me make it practical. Most of you are in here and you got introduced to Jesus not in the brightest seasons of your life. It was in the darkest night when you were pursuing him, when you were going after him, when you were praying that God showed up in your deepest, darkest pit. When you fought through the terrain in your darkest hour, you finally seen that star in the east and you said, oh my God, he is alive. He is worthy of serving. He is worthy of living for. We often talk about Jesus being the light of the world and he is the light of the world. He is the bright and morning star. But he, the Bible says in Psalms 97, I hate that clock right now. Psalms 97, verse 2. It says, Clouds and thick darkness surround him, and righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Meaning, oftentimes, God's greatest blessings are encased in the dark. Maybe you're going through a dark season right now. Maybe you don't know how the finances are going to come through. Maybe you don't know this Christmas season whether or not trees are going to be under that excuse me gifts are going to be under that tree maybe you don't know if God is going to heal you maybe you don't know if your son or your daughter is going to get saved if ever maybe you don't know if whether or not you're going to struggle with that addiction in your life maybe you don't know if you're going to break this pattern this vicious cycle that you've been going through you don't know if you're going to break this attitude that's been enveloped in you because of how you've been raised. All I can tell you is you keep pursuing him in the dark until that eastern star shows up where your promise lies. Keep pursuing him even in the dark. What's my point, you might ask? It's easy to pursue God when the weather is good. When it's smooth sailing, when we've got smooth roads, but the wise men fought whatever elements necessary just to get God's presence. Look at somebody and say, fight for his presence. Come on, look at somebody else and say, fight for his presence. Even if you got to look somebody, look behind you to find somebody. Come on, say, fight for his presence. Thirdly, talking about pursuing his presence, not presence under a tree. 
They got his presence because they bowed down. Everybody say, bow down. Verse 11 says this, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. I think that the spiritual posture of these wise men's heart was made clear by the posture of their body. They bowed down. I began to think to myself, it was early this morning, that this is one of the reasons God afforded them the opportunity because they really and truly bowed their hearts, not just their knee. Come on. I believe a newfound reverence. Can I tell you what I believe is returning to the church? We've lost this, especially the millennials. We have lost our reverence. We have lost it. When I go into the house of the Lord, even when I was a little younger, I'm still young, there was reverence. People respected his presence. These wise men bowed down out of their reverence to the Lord. And in return, he afforded them his presence. You wonder why our services are not infused with the presence and power of God. It's not because God's not here or he can't move. I believe it. I believe it's because we lack reverence. We lack reverence. We don't revere him like we should. We don't bow down like we should. I want you to stand to your feet if you can. Our meetings have been going till two o'clock lately. I feel like the Lord's wanting to do something, but time restrains me yet. I want to talk about this last point really quick, and I want to offer a couple of minutes of ministry time just to linger in his presence. But I want to quickly talk about the gift exchange. Everybody say the gift exchange. Verse 11 again says this, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The wise men exchanged their presence for his presence. Do you want the presence of God in your life? I'm asking you, do you want the Lord's presence? Honey, do you want the Lord's presence? Give him your best gift. Give him what costs you something. We wonder why the presence of God doesn't come. Here's the bigger question. Are you giving him the best of your treasures? I think about gold. And the reason they gave him these different gifts, the gold represented his divinity. Everybody say his divinity. What better treasure to give a king than gold? Ultimately, he would not only be the king of the Jews, but he would be the king of heaven. And then they gave him myrrh, which that was used to put around the body of a dead person to preserve their body. So it, would, it represented his coming death in 33 years. But that's not the reason I'm here. My reason is for the frankincense. 
I was sitting just here in the office before the service and the Holy Spirit gave me the reason why they gave Jesus the frankincense. Can you think about, can you think in your holy imagination what it must have smelled like when they broke open that flask? The smell, the aroma. Frankincense represented his presence. So their present was frankincense. But there was a gift exchange. When they gave him their best, frankincense, it filled the room. When we give him our best out of our treasure, the aroma that comes changes atmospheres, changes hearts, changes destinies, changes your future changes your eternal destination. His presence fills the room. And that's what I pray that you do this morning. I pray that you would so fill this room, Lord. You can do much more than my little sermon can do. You can do much more than even a worship experience can do. Your presence, Lord, changes everything. Your power changes everything. And I pray that this holiday season, Lord, we wouldn't just be expecting of gifts from people. But Lord, may our desire and our heart's pursuit be to give you our very, very best. And I pray that as a result of that, Lord, our lives would erupt with your presence. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.